Hi, I'm Jason Marcos. And I'm Barry Hamaguchi. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. Mariah Mania continues! <laughs> this week, we're discussing the song Eighth Grade, which appears on Mariah Carey's 15th studio album, Caution, released in 2019. Wasn't it released in 2018? No, it was just... I don't think so. Jason. Oh, God, 2018. Wow, it's that old. I know, and I have it on my notes here, too. All right, anyway. I'll do this again. Okay. <laughs> or we can leave that in, because it's kind of funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's just keep going. Let's keep Let's going. Let's just keep going. Sorry, right, sorry, we're sorry. We're back, we're back. Released we're back. in 2018. Yes. God, time is a circle. Enter um, fanfare. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hello. So, hello. So, uh, we're back. It's still it's still the month of Mariah. Yeah. The, she's yeah, she's the, been all the over. The event continues. Um so this week Rarities came out this last week her by her memoir came out. Um the Lamely has been consuming and producing material in full force. My YouTube recommendations are nothing but um Mariah truth videos at this point. Um but yeah. Uh <laughs> I you know it's funny like I I I usually buy everything that that Mariah does and you know just just out of habit I guess mm-hmm. you could say. And um I I am excited. I I you know I started listening to the rarities this week or on Friday and um I, I haven't got the memoir, The Meaning of Mariah Carey, yet, but I intend to. But it is funny. It's like I'm not – I mean, it's – it. I mean, I'm happy about it, I guess. I just <laughs> – but we, we've talked – I think what we're going to kind of get into is – and what you started alluding to last week when we were talking about Loverboy was, you know, this sort of idea, the inevitability of Mariah Carey maybe, that it's like it's going to happen and like – it may be good. It's probably not, but it's very Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. you know. And it just kind of the 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 machine marches on, and you know, you know, I I still have fun with it, but it's not like you know, like when I was twelve, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah. Um, so yeah, but I'm excited that this is happening, and I honestly, I was a little um surprised, and I know I shouldn't be, but I was a little surprised at just like how much promo she was doing mm-hmm. for it. And um, how much content she was releasing. And I think last week also was when, you know, one of the most surprising things that came out of this whole run up to the rarities being officially released um, was uh, the release of that track where she said she had tried to do like an alternative album, like in her spare time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to like let off steam. And uh, yeah. But that was like, so the the clip that was released on Twitter of that track I think she said that that was like her voice blended with another singer's voice, yeah. right? Because it doesn't totally yeah. sound like her. It seemed like maybe she ha- couldn't find just like the pure Mariah version or something in the archives. <laughs> maybe maybe JLo stole that technique from her mm-hmm. too. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's 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 great that she's able to grab all these things out of her archive. Um, I did. Yeah, I did buy the audiobook of. The meaning of Mariah. Did you Carey. buy it? Oh, I, 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 I signed up for the Audible trial just so that I could use one of my credits, <laughs> and I'm maybe a third of the way in. But one of the things she does talk about is that 
when she started searching for a deal, like for a publishing deal or for a record deal, that one thing that she knew, someone had advised her early on to secure the rights to your masters. Like never, never mm. sell your masters to anyone. I think she she credits like someone telling her about what happened to the Beatles. And we've talked about that before. Yeah. Right. And so early on, she was getting a lot of offers. I think she said that like the first offer she got was basically like $5,000 for the rights to the masters for her like first songs that she had written. Wait, right? It was $5,000? $5,000. I mean, she turned and she turned it down because eventually just for, you know, her first deal with Columbia, I think she made like a million dollars. Yeah. Like yeah. right away. <laughs> yeah. She's like, Don't. I mean, she's not a fool. Yeah. She went from being a coat check girl that was doing like session singing in like a pair of shoes that was falling apart. She talked about like her shoe falling apart. You know, but she was doing that and doing like backing vocals and yeah, when she got her first deal and negotiated it, she got a million dollars like off the bat. That's great. But then almost immediately, it sounds like was, um, you know, imprisoned in her upstate New York yeah. castle with Tommy Mottola. <laughs> which, yeah, which does truly sound horrific. But <laughs> I mean, and have you seen, I remember seeing pictures of it and I was like, oh, that's gross. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's. What is that? It's such a it's, 90s pastiche of like... It's kind of like that like nouveau riche kind of yeah. like, I have a lot of money now, so I'm going to make this monstrosity Yeah, that just leans into every like opulent idea <laughs> I've ever had in my life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that and yeah. her wedding dress, you know, it, yeah. all, it, it all reeked of uh, new opulence. Just, I'm going to do everything. <laughs> I mean, you know, not 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 like not unlike, say, her 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 peers, who, who maybe like a little bit later, like Celine, when she married um, Renee, um, her she basically wore a crown. Like, yeah. you know, that was I mean, was you like want you want to have your Cinderella princess fantasy, right? Just mm-hmm. g- give it all to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, like. Obviously, the thing I was waiting for with Rarities was the Loverboy Firecracker version, 2001. Um, I I listened to it. What what do you what do you what did you think of it? Nothing prepared me for how disappointed I was in that track. <laughs> I mean, I've never. I mean, I've never really liked Loverboy. That's not my jam, mm-hmm. so to speak. That's where you, where you and I part ways. Yes. 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 But listening to the original with the firecracker sample and how it was intended to sound, I'm like, girl, J-Lo did you a favor. Yeah. I mean, the the interesting thing about the way that J-Lo used it in I'm Real is that they used the melody, but they didn't use the exact yeah. like synthesizer that was from the original firecracker song, right? Yeah. It was like redone with, more current sounding yeah. instrumentation. Whereas like yeah. Mariah is pulling in like the original sample. Yeah. Which I think is like it, what she was doing, right? She did it with like fantasy. Yeah. Right. And um, well, you know, and, and it's, it, you know, in some ways it's not a fair comparison because, you know, to be, to be fair, lover boy was part of the glitter soundtrack and yeah. it was supposed to be set in the eighties. And so, you know, the song was supposed to sound like an actual eighties song. Um, whereas JLo was using the sample in a 2001 mm-hmm. 
you know, single. Yeah. And so it was a pop song for 2001. And I think, you know, like we talked about before, like 80s nostalgia, I don't think had, had really hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like they didn't do it in the way that like bridged the gap. Yeah. That made people like, yeah, we're into this. Similarly to how the movie didn't capture 1983 or like what my vision of mm-hmm. 1983 is this original version of lover boy it also doesn't do that like i had i had it in my mind's eye like i could he- i you could hear the original firecracker song you could hear the final version of lover boy that was released and mentally i was putting together this magical combination in my head that was going to be like yes this is going to be the answer this is going to be the magic that was somehow lost when JLo stole that sample from her. Right. But yeah, it's, it's strange. It still doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. If anything, the cameo, the cameo sample fits into the song better, which I was not expecting. It really does. It really does. Yeah. Cause since you had mentioned that, like, you know, feeling like Debrat was like rapping along to the original melody and like, and all of that. And that, you know, to your point about like the magic must be in the original. Yeah. And then you listen to it and you're like, this sounds even worse. Like it sounds way more disjointed. It makes me wonder if it's not, if it was never completely finished, you know, that's possible. It sounds, there's something about it that sounds a little bit unfinished. It Um, does sound a little rough. I had thought, and one thing that I had thought, I had thought that, the cameo version, the candy version of Loverboy that actually got released, I had always just assumed it sounded weird because Mariah had all these vocals recorded that she had already lip-synced to in the movie, Glitter, and they basically had to reverse engineer a new song out of existing vocals. But it sounds like these vocals from the original Firecracker version of Loverboy, it's actually completely different vocals. Yeah. Like, it's the same It's the same um, lyrics, it's the same melody... So I guess she could still lip sync to it, but the vocal performance and the vocal production is very different. Well, and that's a very Mariah thing, right? Like every time she released a remix of Dream Lover or Fantasy or Daydream or, you know, anything, they were completely different songs, which was kind of the fun of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like she always resung them. Not as different as I'm Real and I'm Real Murder Inc. remix, but (laughs) Mariah, Mariah knew how to work the system correctly <laughs> she did she did it's funny like okay so i didn't talk so much about this last week when we were talking about lover boy because i got kind of panicked and in a rush trying to finish that story but <laughs> one thing about the cameo candy version of lover boy that always bothered me is that it did always sound unfinished to me like there's the remix with debrat and Ludacris on it that sounds pretty finished but there's like a the original original version that doesn't have the rap features on it and that's the version that opens with like giggling. Yeah. Like in the studio. Yeah. Like studio I think giggling? it's supposed yeah. to maybe be, uh, what is it? Billy and Roxanne and Louise, like Kai Kai Kiking. Kiking. Yeah. Did you say no, Kai No, they're not Kai Kai. <laughs> <laughs> um, wrong show. Wrong show. Um, but there's always this part in the beginning. There's this part in the beginning of the candy version of Loverboy that just has the most awful fake whispering it's it's Uh. like it's it's literally that noise (laughs) and it always bothered me because i'm like that's that's like that's like bad acting fake whispering it's mariah's whisper tone (laughs) it was in development in 1983 yeah but of all the things that were the same between these two versions that noise is 
is in both versions and it drives me crazy. I mean, and, and this, you know, to tie that in with like sort of how I experienced the entire Rarities album. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk about talk about it all. I mean, it's interesting because it's like... We, we talked about this before where I like, I, you know, I came to Mariah when I was like, I don't know, 10, between okay. 10 and 12, right? But it was a very specific singles. Like I didn't have mm-hmm. the albums, right? The first two albums at least. And and so, you know, sometimes listening to, to the rarities that, you know, start the album, like, here we go around again. Can you hear me? Do you think of me? It's almost like this predate, like when I actually listened or liked Mariah. So okay. I don't have any nostalgia for those that era, yeah, and that sort of like I mean I don't want to say that because what was but like was there's everything a, was everything fades away was that that was the B side to Hero right it was the B side to Hero so I don't know what do you think of me was it's uh, it was same same time but I don't know if it was a B side to or was it just in know. the vault this whole it might have been yeah it might have been just unreleased from Music Box but like it like it. It's, you know, listening to it, like her her first two albums, you know, in retrospect are just are so adult contemporary. And mm. I think that like sometimes with someone like Mariah, the best tracks made it on the album. Okay. Like I don't, in my opinion, I don't necessarily feel that always like. Like there's a reason that things didn't. There's a reason. Like it's like I'm glad that these exist, but like I'm also like, well, but I wouldn't have really liked this on yeah. the album anyway. You know. But I mean, you know, uh, sometimes sometimes songs get pulled from album just because you know, not that they're yeah. bad songs, but maybe they thematically don't fit with the yeah. concept of the album yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. But I, you know, for me, like listening to rarities straight through, I realized that there is this distinct point where I kind of disconnect from Mariah. It's like the glitter on era that like, I think because I had kind of aged out of just being like a pop culture Mariah Carey thing. I don't know. You know what it is? It's like, it's like when you're a kid that, you know, there's a certain style and sound of music Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you're just used to as part of pop music. And that for me is everything from like 1990 to 1995. Got it. And that's why, like, listening to those first, like, five or six tracks on this Rarities album, it sonically just sounds like that time so much that yeah. I automatically like it. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, these could have huh. been huge hits back then. See, and for me, I was like, oh, see, I, that wasn't what I liked. Mm. Like, I I liked, I was such, a, like, a ballad type of person. <laughs> So some of that I'm like, uh, I don't know. But I, you know, all everything fades away is on the album. So I didn't have to actually buy it off of eBay a few months ago. I should have just should have known. You should have but, trusted it trusted that Mariah would take care of you. Well, I did I did like mid nineties Mariah for sure, mid to late nineties Mariah. And so there's a song on there called Slipping Away from ninety six, which came out around you know, which would have been around the um fantasy mm-hmm. uh, uh daydream album and so um you know i liked that did you like she had released out here on my own like as a single yeah i see and almost as like a counterpoint to you like it's very rare that i like a ballad i didn't like this okay just to be clear okay good (laughs) i mean i yeah I, i i didn't think it was great 
Yeah. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It just doesn't have, what's the word? Maudlin or something. Maudlin. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Like it's not. It's not punchy. I mean, I understand that it itself is a cover. I believe Irene Cara yeah. sang it first, right? Um And in her and in her memoir, she talks about how she always loved this song and that Irene Cara like was really influential to her. Because I Irene Cara had done uh was did didn't Irene Cara do flash dance and was she in fame? I think so. Okay. Yeah. And that's like from when Mariah was like you a, know, teenager. a young yeah. teenager, you know. We didn't talk about it when it because this uh, she also released the Save the Day with Ms. Lauren Hill yes. as like kind of a single off of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't talk about it that much when it came out. But what did you think of that song? I do not like that either. Okay, I'm coming around to that one. Strangely, okay. You well, okay. So I will say, yesterday I was sitting in the Sprouts parking lot waiting for my curbside delivery, and it came on, and I was like, you know, this is perfectly fine to listen to in um you know in the parking lot but i was also thinking of all the ways i would have thought these two miss lauren hill Mm -hmm. and mariah carey would have collaborated i did not anticipate this yeah Uh, but you know and (sighs) okay so is is lauren hill in this sample it's the sample sample from yes like I, I couldn't tell, I couldn't sample. really tell because in the in the intro to this song, there's someone that's singing like a full octave lower than Mariah, very quietly, and I was like, "Is is that Lauren Hill? Is that what she's doing here?" Because she's credited as like a a featured artist on this, and she talked about it as though they were directly collaborating on this, and so I was ex- I was thinking like. Did Lauren Hill actually re-record this vocal, or is she also featured somewhere else in the song that maybe we're not hearing? It's I kind mean, of like it says it s- s- features vocals from her and contains a sample of "Killing Me Softly" by the Fugees, but because yeah, the, I mean the music is, I mean the track is back there too, but I mean her vocal from the track is in there. That's what I'm very confused by it. But it's like, um, what was it? There was that fun song that featured Janelle Monet, like Fun's like for yeah. one of first things. With but that with Erica Badu. Oh no, fun. No, no, fun. There was a fun song. Oh yeah, yeah. But even the Janelle Monet featuring Erica Badu, it's mm-hmm. like, can you can you hear Erica Badu in there? Uh like at the end. <laughs> and that's you the thing, know? is like, or even like um, what is it? Janelle Monet's uh Electric Lady. I think Solange is on that, right? Yeah, and you can't really hear. You her. can't really She's hear like in the mix. anything in the mix. Yeah, because it's not like Solange takes a verse or anything. It's just like she's somewhere. She was in the studio, <laughs> like supporting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could have been her yeah. hand claps. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because I felt I don't know. Like, there's a. You know, the thing about Mariah when you when you're a Mariah fan is you accept the certain amount of like cheesiness and camp, mm-hmm. right? That like are just kind of inherent in her persona and to some extent her music at this point. Um and I I feel like sometimes that's you know, that's that's where you kind of get into this this era this post glitter era where you're not sure how much 
you're actually going to enjoy the songs. Like mm-hmm. Mariah Carey songs sort of exist in a Mariah Carey universe and they exist outside of time and space as we experience them. <laughs> like yeah, sometimes I'll buy that. Right. There's right. There's sort of like it's like this could have been released 10 years ago and it would have sounded yeah. exactly the same, you know? She's yeah. with the same people. Like, and I think that's like a good and bad thing about Mariah. Yeah, because it could be like ahead of its time. It might be completely outdated. But then yeah. when we're suddenly, you know, 15, 20 years on, sometimes I listen back to those things and I'm like, oh, like, I remember this sounding terrible at the time it came out. But now, like 20 years later, not thinking mm. about what was going on when this came out or what else this was in competition against. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like it as music because I know yeah. that you don't like charm bracelet, but I, I listened to charm bracelet yeah. again. I, I fully, fully like charm bracelet fully. As I an album. tried. I really tried like two months ago. I sat there while I was working and I was like, I'm going to do this. And I was like, Nope. And I couldn't, I, I like, like I said, I like certain songs on that album. Yeah. But I like bringing on the heartbreak. Bringing on the heartbreak is amazing. <laughs> I think at that time too, when that album came out, Mariah had wandered too far into the like cutesy little girl tchotchke noun album titles mm. of like yeah, rainbow, butterfly. rainbow, butterfly, charm bracelet, music box. It, yeah. it 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 all it all makes sense though. Like when she talks about how she's perpetually twelve years old, right? Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. And having listened to that whole first part of her biography now, having gotten through, it got up to the point where she is now in a loveless marriage with Tommy Mottola. <laughs> but, you know, listening to the audiobook of um, The Meaning of Mariah Carey, it had me kind of re-examining Glitter. Because when we did our recap of that movie, we both thought it was a terrible movie but we had these moments where we were both kind of like is this some kind of like wish fulfillment on mariah's part is she trying to rewrite her childhood by creating this this terrible situation from which no true conflict ever arises Mm. you know like i think we were talking about how when she first goes into foster care and you think that um, the two girls are gonna be mean to her. That they're om- yeah. they're immediately nice to her, or yeah. any of like the pretty woman things, or the Marilyn Monroe type things that happen, or the way that all these tense moments in glitter just kind of get brushed aside and disappear without another word. It it all makes more sense to me now to hear these accounts of like what Mariah experienced in her childhood and young adulthood. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I mean I knew this. But you'd never heard Mariah talk in great depth about the relationship that she has with her family, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, like you heard little things here and there. Yeah, like you knew that she was like estranged from her sister. She maybe had an on and off again relationship with her brother. Um, I always thought she was actually still on good terms with her mother, but it seems Same. like maybe, maybe they're not. Maybe they're yeah. they're kind of tentative in their relationship. I mean. You know, famously, when she went on that appearance on TRL, she brought Carson Daly a picture of her mother because her mother had a huge crush on Carson Daly. Um, well, and her mother's the one who uh, called the, you know, that that was there when she was like breaking the plates or whatever Cindy Berger said had happened at the house. Yeah. Like after, right? Like she was at her mother's house. And I mean, I, you know, I had read, I, 
again, I haven't read the whole, um, I haven't read the book, but you know, something about like talking about like her, her family was either trying to institutionalize her or take her money. And the two that she talked about were her mother and her brother. So, I mean, it seems like her sister, you know, I, I had forgotten about all the stuff, all the stuff with her sister and how her sister, you know, her sister's HIV positive. Her Mm. sister was like hospitalized for a very serious illness, like in 2015, I think. Mm. And it seems like when her relationship with her brother finally fell apart, it's because, you know, Mariah did not help financially Mm. with any of the hospital bills. And um, her sister, her sister like had to have all of her teeth pulled out for some reason. Like her sister, her sister is in sad, sad shape, but like, you know, Mariah talks about everything that they experienced growing up. Right. Yeah. And this is one of those, this is one of those stories that is making the rounds in the media because it's kind of one of the big things that she talks about in the book is that, you know, her sister was a lot older. Mm -hmm. Um, Her sister got pregnant when she was 14 and um, her parents were basically like, if you want to keep the baby, you have to marry the father the father was like a 20 year old in the military stationed in the Philippines. So at 14 or like 15 at that point, Mariah Carey's sister married her boyfriend and moved to the Philippines for three years and divorced him and came back like three years later. And it seemed like, you know, at that point, uh, stumbled into like drug addiction and like sex work. Hmm. And there's an account in Mariah's memoir about um, like her sister getting her a secret phone line, getting Mariah a secret phone line at her mother's house and calling her and talking to her on the phone. And this is when Mariah is like 12 or 13. And Mariah starts sneaking out of the house with her sister, her older sister and her sister's boyfriend. And they would take her to this guy's apartment where there would just be a bunch of other women there. And Mariah just thought, oh, these are my sister's friends. We're just hanging out. And then on one day, just the boyfriend came to pick her up and like drove her around. And she was feeling really scared, kind of being like, when are we going to go pick up my sister? You know? And I guess the guy like groped her and kissed her and she just like Mm. freaked out, you know? But you know, the implication there is like, it almost seemed like Mariah's sister was trying to recruit her. Mm. into into something that she was doing um because she also tells a story about like her sister slipped her a uh was it a valium there was one there was a story in there when she was 12 or 13 about her sister trying to like give her a pill and like she passed out and she woke up and she didn't know what happened Hmm. so it's all it's all very much more tense than glitter was Mm -hmm. and i can imagine if you're if you're mariah carey in 2001 and you have these unlimited resources you know, you want to rewrite that story for your own sake more than for the sake of great storytelling. Sure. <laughs> like for the truth, you don't, you don't really want to examine it. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, like you would think like nowadays you'd get like Lee Daniels in on that story and he would tell you the most like raw, devastating. real, devastating version of that story. But um, I'm, I'm powering my way through this biography, this memoir. Um, if I have any other revelations, I'll, I'll bring them to your attention, but no, I, I'm going to, I'll read it. 
Um, because I do want to, I do want to, you should order it from Romans. I don't want to dive in. You should order it from, that's what I was going to do. Local bookstores. <laughs> so I can support them. Cause the last I bought Nicole Byers book from S O one and other ones I bought from, um, book soup yeah. on sunset. Our local bookstore here in, uh, Northeast LA Romans bookstore in Pasadena. They're in trouble and they've been open for 126 years and they, they put the uh, call out on social media by local guys. I saw, I saw, I was like, I need to do that. Yeah. I've been, um, I've, I've had, I have like three or four books that I'm thinking of purchasing. I have them stuck in my cart. I just need to figure out. I, I have piles. I have piles, piles. You're like holding it from someone else. I mean, I no. I'm just saying in general, I have piles and piles of books oh. like that I have I not know. read. I know I buy books that just support the people that I enjoy yeah. and they sit on my coffee table and then well uh, famously them. famously you attend a book club without having read the book so this is true this is true <laughs> I've read maybe two of them I do I do want to you know getting back to the rarities I do want to say that I do enjoy a few songs on there there you know I don't want it to yeah. sound like I hate the whole thing yeah. um <clears throat> but like she does an acoustic version of the song close my eyes which was always a song that I loved um, and then I do actually, I enjoy listening to the live, uh, from the Tokyo Dome. The Tokyo Dome. Yeah. What's the story on that? Like, was that a, do you know when that was? I think it was around the same time. I think it was like 96 or something. Okay. And, so kind and of it in her been, prime. Yeah. It was totally her prime. Cause if you listen to her vocals. Yeah. Oh yeah. Songs, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. She was definitely in her prime. I think it's around the same time because I had the VHS of her live at Madison Square Garden concert, which was the time, which was released which came out like in support of the daydream okay album so you know it was um it, i think it was around the same time had it been the same tour um but yeah it was really good i you know that part for me is always fun and i, I you know i uh, there's a freshness for some of that mm-hmm. that like i think sometimes <laughs> as we get into it in the rest of the episode sometimes it's lacking in freshness <laughs> Okay. Uh, her later content. But anyway. I dig. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Shall we? Are we ready for a break? Let's go to break. Okay. Let's take a break. When we get back, it's going to be some more Mariah floppage. Okay. <laughs> some more Mariah Um, okay. All right. Wait, am I bringing us back? Sorry. I'm I on my, so. you know, we what, don't, you... I don't have multiple screens, so I have to oh, yeah, bring us... between this and my app. Bring us, bring us back. And while you're at it, you should mention our website and email address. Okay. Okay. <gasps> and we're back from that break. Um, just a reminder. You can always check out all of the content that we talk about here on our website at flopredeemer.com. And you can send us any tips, comments, appreciations, hate mail to flopredeemer at gmail.com. We're ready. We will not read it. Nope. But it's there for you. Always. So. So. <laughs> today, I'm going to talk about the song Eighth Grade by Mariah Carey, a track on her 15th studio album, Caution, which was released in 2018, which I messed up in the intro. Yes. It was 2018. It just, you know, I did. I mean, like, it, as it I seems said, like it doesn't seem like it came out that long ago. No. That's why it's no, shocking. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But, it, 
I mean, 2020 doesn't seem like half the shit in 2020 doesn't seem like it happened this year. So, no. I mean, it's <sighs> it's March 217th today. So, you know, I know, I know. So, so caution, uh, caution came out. It was following 2014's mouthful. Me, I am Mariah, the elusive Chanteuse. Um, it was her first album since 1993's Music Box to have only 10 tracks. Because, like, if you look at her her output between then and now, you know, everything else had between 12 and 18 tracks. Like, these albums were, like, huge. Mm-hmm. And they weren't like Janet Jackson, where it's, like, like little 30-second snippets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, these are songs, 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 songs. Oh, my God. Elusive um, Chanteuse had 18 tracks? Uh-huh gracious good gracious i know i know she wasn't being elusive then no she was like i'm here for you all of me i mean god bless mariah carey for single-handedly bringing the word chanteuse into like the american cultural lexicon (laughs) everything's a chanteuse now i'm a chanteuse you're a chanteuse we're all chanteuses (laughs) chanteuse chanteuse darling (laughs) she would say Caution is an interesting album to me because it marks uh, a real difference in the production, which is something that I've been asking for from Mariah for a long time. And, you know, there's this there's this period within, I want to say, from The Emancipation of Mimi to Me, I Am Mariah, The Elusive Chanteuse, where the albums, are they sound sort of the same. They follow a similar format. They have, mm-hmm. you know, very similar sort of themes, I want to say. Like, they follow kind of a formula. Um, but what's what's crazy about that is that, like, Emancipation of Mimi came out in 2005. Elusive Chanteuse came out in 2014. In those 10 years, that's four albums that essentially sound sort of interchangeable. Yeah. And by, like, you know, like, and it was, like, all that you could always tell there's the song on there that's trying to be trying to capture the fire from We Belong Together. Mm-hmm. There's like that sort of gospely affirmation-y song that closes out the album. There's a few sort of mid-tempo, I want to say hip-hop tracks. Yeah, like hip-hop banger-ish songs. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, it, But it's well, like a varying success. Yeah, because I had forgotten actually that the lead single from Emancipation was It's Like That with Jermaine Dupri. Yeah. I forgot that song. Yeah, I forgot about that song completely. But like, you know, she does that. She does like touch my body in the next album. Yeah, touch my body. She does uh, obsessed in the album after that. And you're right. Like in that era, like I actually have a hard time remembering like what was the single from E equals MC squared versus, you know, uh, memoirs, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, they just sound that it's kind of the same there. And, and even the upbeat songs are sort of like uh, honeyed. I don't know. There's mm-hmm. like a, there's like a preserved in amber. Like they, they all <laughs> sound like and maybe this is just because of my personal experience. But, you know, I used to have a long commute um, around the time. Uh, e equals MC. No, memoir. I always want to say memoirs of a geisha. Mm-hmm. It's memoirs of an imperfect angel came out and. I always, you know, I used to have to drive across L.A. I lived out in Playa del Rey, which is near the, the beach. And it was just this, like, interminable commute. And I would inevitably, you know, be driving. to The sun's going down. And so, like, 
all of these songs with their sort of laid back production, laid back sort of hip hoppy R and B vibe. Yeah. It all sounds like a late afternoon, early sun, like a dusk type of album. Yeah. It's a little too, they're all a little too laid back for me. I think all the standout tracks from Mariah for me in that era are more of like the up-tempo tracks. There's like, I'm that chick. Like, is that E E equals MC squared? I'm that chick. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Love that song. And that was, yeah. I'll be loving you long time. Great song. I'll be loving you long time. It's like, I'll be loving, I'll be loving. One of my favorite songs. That's one of of my favorite songs. All of the more like up-tempo poppy numbers versus like, yeah, like the down tempo grooving hip hop banger light yeah it's well it's weird because it's like you know we talk about mariah like being an innovator like earlier in her career and and she's just an icon at this point and it's like it's hard to classify her music because it's like is this pop it's like Mm -hmm. it's heavily hip-hop influenced but it's not hip-hop and it's Hip hop influence from I think the the hip hop influence is still from like 2000, not like 2020 or 2015 or even you know like it was very specific. Mm-hmm. It was a very Jermaine Dupri. Stuck. Well, so and here's the thing is like contextually for her career, like you know we talked about glitter, we talked about Lover Boy. It was a huge failure. It lost her her record deal. She came out with the next album, Charm Bracelet with a new deal through Island Def Jam. So like L.A. Reid kind Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. snagged her, right? After she kind of left Virgin. And Charm Bracelet didn't do well for her. But then they did Emancipation. They got Jermaine Dupri. So it's L.A. Reid, Jermaine Dupri, Island Def Jam. And everyone was like, this is the return. The voice is back. And it seems like for the next decade, she was afraid or her label was afraid to stray yeah. from that formula anymore because they're like you know what we we re- we retooled this so that we found mariah again we're not yeah. going to let go of it this time similar to what they were doing with her yeah, in the 90s as an adult contemporary artist in the 90s they tried to hold her to that and yeah. because it was working um but at some point something's got to give and mariah moved on into kind of the more r&b yeah. stuff right you know she she talks actually about wanting to do like r&b soul music and how when she was shopping getting shopped around to labels everyone was like we we can't have another white girl singing um soul music like no one's gonna get it no one's gonna buy it because it was um oh god what's her name (laughs) tina yeah tina marie yeah 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 Mm-hmm. But you know that idea of like oh like how do we explain to people that it's this white woman singing this music, which is funny you know in relationship to Mariah yeah. being perceived of as white, yeah at that time, or in general it's 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 just funny because I don't I don't totally remember ever thinking Mariah Carey was white. I feel like it was always like out there that she's biracial. I remember her you know? talking about it. I don't I don't know that I clocked it at the beginning. Yeah. But. She talks about it a lot in her in her memoir about like the 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 troubles with that she experienced growing up as a white passing mm-hmm. biracial girl, mm-hmm. you know, and that she grew up with her mother. She talks about all this stuff where like 
in, in most of her childhood, a lot of people didn't know that she had a black father because mm-hmm. she didn't live with her father. And then there would be times where, um, like she said, this her mother arranged a play date for her and a friend, but it happened to be on a day that she was supposed to be with her dad. So her mom took her and her friend to her dad's house. They go up the stairs to her dad's house. Her dad opens the door. Her friend just breaks down in tears and won't go in. And her her mother had to drive her friend back home. Wow. And she didn't she didn't process it at the time, but you, you know, growing to realize like her little eight year old friend or whatever didn't know that her father was black, and then the door opens and her father's black, and this little white child mm. doesn't know what to mm-hmm. do and mm-hmm. freaks out, you know. Um. Anyway, what was my point? Oh, Mariah's not white, but she was told early on that you know a white passing biracial yeah. couldn't sing R and B people would be confused and here we are in 2020 yeah so 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 so, yeah we she goes into this uh, la reed island def jam era jermaine dupree stuff yeah it's all all very very samey and you Um, know what's what's interesting is like this is something that you know adam and i have talked about at length where i'm like why does it always sound the same right because like what is the reason? Is it the production? What is it? And I feel if you actually look through, you know, most of the the production notes for for the albums, the four albums, or I guess it was yeah, the the four albums from two thousand five to t- two thousand fourteen. You have Emancipation equals MC squared, Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel, and Me I Am Mariah. Jermaine Dupree is there, and and some of the people stay the same, but in in some cases she is changing collaborators you know and and you can tell trying to update her sound but i'm like why do they still sound the same and one of the things i think is that mariah can never not sound like mariah like you one thing that's consistent Mm -hmm. is like she is always the first executive producer on the album right like for in for every track for every Mm -hmm. album for you know whether it's production writing whatever she's always listed um there's that wall you described of a million mariah's singing backup that like just okay, nine just of nine. them um but you know that's become sort of synonymous with her vocal production and 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 to me mm-hmm. I, I think it smothers all attempts to have a different or updated sound right because like you can change the production you can do these things but when you have nine mariah singing all these different you know you know the the melody the supporting vocals the you know, the different harmonies, like it just always sounds like it's 1993 or, or even 1997, you know, and it's, again, it's not bad. And I don't mean, I'm not trying to say it's like a criticism. It's just, she never, it never fully sounds updated to me. And I think the closest she got to really updating her sound Mm -hmm. was in 2014 when she worked with Miguel on um, the song hashtag. Mm -hmm. It's hashtag beautiful. Oh, hashtag beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting because, uh, you know, maybe because their vocal production is similar or like the, I was trying to figure out like why I thought that they really worked together. I think they vibed really well, but there's, Mm -hmm. there is a, there's still about three Mariah's in here though. Yeah, there is, or there are, but I just liked, I just liked the production of it. It had that like, it had that like lo-fi it had that lo-fi grit the crunchiness. Into the, yeah. Yeah. It was crunchy. Something that was maybe playing on like a 50 year old vinyl record. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, it was really complimentary to her voice. 
Yeah. In a way that like made it sound fresh. Like we talk about like lacking freshness. Like that song came out and I was like, oh wow, this is Mariah now. Like I love mm-hmm. this. And nothing on the album comes close no. to capturing that again. The video is a mess. Have you seen the video? <laughs> like it is, yeah. oh my God, it is peak Mariah feeling herself. And I mean that literally and figuratively, like dancing in a barn in a strip dress, in a, in a stri- sorry, in a slip dress, like, okay. but just like, Twirling, but not quite. Just doing like the Marilyn Monroe standing on a subway grate, even though she's, yeah, she's in never, a bar. She's, ne- she's never been a mover, Mariah. No, but like Miguel is like sitting in an old Corvette in the barn, like lighting her up with the headlights, and I'm like, and then and then and then she's like, seriously, just like assaulting a motorcycle <laughs> at one point, like the just. And it's so uncomfortable. And then, so that's like one version. And then I think the span, sorry, the Spanish language version of the video, it's like it takes place in Capri. And like it's mostly Miguel. And we know that like Mariah's like favorite place to record is like in Capri. But like, I don't believe she's in the video. It's like you just hear her voice and you see him like trying to like maybe chase someone. But like, I don't think she's there. I'm like, who did this? Who flew? Miguel to Capri. Maybe, like, was she unavailable? I don't understand. It was, it was, it, uh, but it's still one of my favorite songs. It's just like, oh, yeah. what is happening here? And I think the confluence of the, of the events, right? Where you have, or the, not the confluence, rather, I should say the divergence, right? Like you have this uh, arguably really great song, but like mm-hmm. the utter, like sort of cringe factor of like Mariah and her, like, I know she's like always like, oh, I'm joking, whatever. But it's like, it's really awkward to watch. She's feeling her fantasy. She's living her like, it sounds like she was living her uh, Paris Hilton, uh, Carl's Jr. commercial fantasy, you know, (laughs) (laughs) as one does, as one does. I mean, because hashtag beautiful was, that was like a moderate hit, right? Yeah. I feel like it it, it is a moderate hit. It was an outlier from that album. Um, You know, I, I feel like, this pattern that she had been establishing for herself in the 2000s was starting to show its cracks. It was starting it was. to uh, run its course. Um, I will say that, you know, in contrast to what you're talking about with the nine Mariahs, the 18 Mariah, the 17 Mariahs, the original single, the original lead single from um, Elusive Chanteuse was um, Triumphant. Triumphant? Triumphant. Yes. Uh, parentheses, get them. Yeah. Um, which is... I had seriously considered talking about on this podcast because for it was the, it was the initial lead single released for elusive Chantus. It did not make the final track listing because the song is terrible. Mm-hmm. The song is terrible. And what's weird about that song to me is that Mariah is almost not in the song at all. She almost, it's just like one thin, very quiet version of her singing the chorus. The rest is all the rap. It's all yeah. the rap features. Yeah. But, and I don't know why this wasn't the main version. Triumphant got a vintage throwback remix where it has completely different vocals from her that are much more in the forefront, much more, I feel like, traditional Mariah. And it also has this like interesting synthesizer vibe to it that I found very compelling. Hmm. Like, I don't I, I know don't, it at all. 
No one knows this song because they. How did you it. find it? I remember this song. I remember Triumphant premiering on Kiss FM, and I spent fully two thirds to seventy five percent of the song being like, "Okay, when does Mariah's part start?" <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's all you. You can hear her singing the chorus very quietly in the background the whole time, but it's like it's Meek Mill, it's Rick Ross doing their rap verse, rap verse, rap verse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Where where's the vocal verse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it never yeah. comes. But the remix, the vintage throwback remix, excellent. Chef's Kiss should have is been it, the actual is it on Spotify? Is on Spotify. Oh. I will post it to something, someplace, someday. Yeah, but I've never heard that version. Redeem that song. It's it's not what we're talking about today, but it is what I'm talking about at this very moment in time. Anyway. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it, well, you you mentioned that and like my favorite album of the Malaise era, Mariah, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, is is uh, 2009's Memoirs of an Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel, and uh, you know, that's the one that that's features. Your favorite. I think of that era. I think it's a solid album, like from start to finish. I can kind of okay. get lost in it. Um, Not E equals MC squared. I mean, that one's pretty good too. But like, I all. There's there's songs on memoirs that I just really I don't know I just like I just like sit in it if I, I put okay. it on when I'm working you know we talk about nine vocal Mariahs I mean that one famously what is it three or four there's three of her Mariah yeah on the, on the on cover the cover I yeah. love that cover art yeah although that cover that is cover good. that cover art I don't know who did it first A Marie had an album an unreleased album that had a pretty identical cover to this except it was all yellow oh. Oh, I need to redeem Amory. She's she she needs redemption. Anyway, uh, she's got to pay for that e- extra eye or whatever yeah. her name. Uh, the melees of an imperfect angel. <laughs> yes. Go. Well, and so you know, it's fun. So so you know, as we mentioned in that decade, Mariah released four albums, and that doesn't include you know compilation albums, unnecessary Christmas album re-releases. Merry Christmas to you. So stupid. I hate, I mean, you know, like the re-recording of those songs is like, why would you re-record some of these songs? Your voice no. is not better 20 years later. No. Like, I mean, it, she upped the ante because Merry Christmas to you was not spelled with the number two. It was spelled with the Roman numeral two. Yeah. I mean, cause she's fancy. <laughs> she's, you know, she's not, she has left the trauma and poverty behind and she's an old English Roman. Numeral. She knows Latin bitch. <laughs> Um, but you know, each one of the albums that she released progressively to smaller and smaller sales, fewer and fewer chart placements. Um, so, you know, the hits were becoming elusive. Well, (laughs) well, not only were they becoming elusive, like it was truly, it was like she'd reached that point in her career where it was almost like she was only releasing for diehard fans. Mm-hmm. You know, and we talked about this, like for a, for a woman who, um, you know, famously is not older than 12 and has never admitted to being older than 12. Rarities is an interest, you know, rarities and the, the celebration of th- her 30 years in the 30th year in the business um, is kind of exceptional given that context. And like mm-hmm. just how, you know, she talks about she talks about like how successful she's been and like we all know what an icon she is. But she never puts that in terms of like longevity. 
right? Like it's never like, well, obviously I'm, I'm old. I am, you know, I've had music for 30 years. It also means I'm 30 years older now. <laughs> she never talks about that. 30 years older than what? She'll never say. <laughs> She'll never say. But, you know, so I think the thing that I like about Caution, um, and again, like some of these albums, it's kind of hit or miss, you know, depending. But mm-hmm. it it is a distinct difference in the production. Um, you know, she works with Timbaland, and I believe it's like the first time she's ever worked with Timbaland. I couldn't mm-hmm. really find um, where she'd ever worked with him before. She works with Skrillex and Pooh Bear, which I thought found interesting. <laughs> Dev Hines, uh, you know, oh, also Blood known Orange. as Blood Orange, yes. Um, Who we have talked about on an as yet to be un as yet to be released episode. Yeah, that episode's not out yet. Uh, the 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 sugar babes. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Um, she worked with DJ Mustard. Okay, DJ Mustard. His real name is Dijon McFarlane, which is why it's called DJ <laughs> Mustard. And I, you know, I was like, who is this person? And then he his signature line is "Mustard on the beat, ho." And I was like, <laughs> I know that line. I've heard it, and it's like it's like his tag. Like when oh, he's when he produces stuff. I thought that oh, I, I always thought that was murder on the beat. Yeah, or I thought it was like, what's it gonna be? Oh, I didn't <laughs> know what it was, and now I, I I read the tag and I was like, mustard on the beat, ho. I was like, oh man, I felt like oh, like okay, I it's like the discovered mu- here, it's something. The, it's the mustard on the beat guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so he does one. There's um, a producer named No ID. His real name is Ernest Wilson. He's produced some of Jay Z's and Kanye's biggest tracks. He's also an A and R man who signed Common, Janae Aiko, um, and loads of other people. Like had a hand in like Mary J. Blige and all this stuff. It's kind of crazy. Some of the people when you go through their history. Um, there's another producer, 1985. He produced Hotline Bling for Drake. He's worked with Travis Scott and um, Division. And then she also worked with Shay Taylor, who wrote with Neo and seven tracks from Beyonce's Four. So the tracks that he wrote were Best Thing I Never Had, I Miss You, Start Over, Love on Top, Countdown, and School in Life. Another song that he wrote, which I think you, you know, he, he wrote Janet Jackson's Discipline. Oh, um, he co-wrote Frank Ocean's Thinking About You on okay. uh, Channel Orange. So, you know, clearly she heard me crying yeah. out into the void, like work with some like people who are like now current. Yeah. These, she, are all, she, these are all like fresh takes on kind of what Mariah had been doing before. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. A, a very Mariah type of music, but freshened up and... Exactly. Just a little bit for the 21st century. Exactly. And there's only one song on the album with Jermaine Dupri. Um, you know, Which one and, is that? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. No, 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 no. That one is. <laughs> Sorry, I have it here. I, I had to switch all of my things. Uh, where is he? Oh, uh, a no, no. Oh, okay. A no, no, a no, no. No, no. That's the one yeah. that features the Chris, uh, the Christopher Wallace, the Biggie Smalls uh, sample. Mm. Um, that's actually a fun song, but yeah, you can see, you know, he he would be a part of that song. The, yeah, I can hear it. That's the yeah. Jermaine Dupri. You can hear it, and it's like Jermaine Dupri is like a th- you know, along with Mariah, like is just like a through line through all of this. Like, I mean, they the first, you know, he's responsible obviously for the emancipation of Mimi. I mean, as much mm-hmm. as Mariah is, you know, like the man behind that. Um, he, 
you know, also did Equals MC Squared. The first time they worked together, I didn't realize, was on Always Be My Baby on Dream Lover. I okay. didn't realize they went back that far. This album, Caution, is such like a different... Well, it's it's trying to be a different album, I guess, than the, than the previous four. And, you know, I've been waiting for a chill, like, new R&B or alternative R&B track from Mariah for many years. Um, you know, I think of Kelani, someone like mm-hmm. Kelani, or someone like her, um, H-E-R. Um, Nights Like This... Kalani's song from 2019 with Ty Dolla Sign is one of my favorite songs of that year. And I remember listening to it and being like, this is what Mariah should be doing. It's like, it's got that, it's, it's got that, the, the melody and the, the lyrics that are sort of, they're spoken and sung in a way that Mariah, you know, has done for a while. Right, but it's very melodic, beautiful voice. It's still very like hip hop. There's a pop tinge to it. Um, it's a beautiful song, and then it incorporates like a rap verse. And it's like it's. I was just like, this is such cool music, and I wish Mariah could do this. Um, because I I've always thought Mariah was kind of like a ne- like Nelly, only only she sings, <laughs> like the rapper Nelly. <laughs> like, okay. Just okay, you know, for a long time, like she kind of transitioned from just straight singing into essentially she just. If you listen to a lot of Mariah's songs, they're essentially like rap song at this point. Like she's rap singing, kind of like the way she delivered. Like like she just okay. Like like not not super. She's not. It's not like Dream Lover or Always Be My yeah. Baby or Hero. Like it's it's very like. It doesn't have like it doesn't have the same like pop hook vocal to it. Yeah, like I can see that that one on the beach. Like that's very like it's very close to rap. Okay, I but not I don't know if I see the connection with Nelly, but okay, I'll go with you on this. I don't know because Nelly was like very sort of melodic at the time. Like you know his his stuff was sort of poppy. Okay, like sort of just kind of Yeah, he kind of okay. I see more than I want to say is some of his peers at the time, and and again in keeping. Mariah with like sort of quote unquote dated references like <laughs> right it's like it's like he's not a cool rapper anymore but that's like kind he, of how he's she's on dancing sings. with the stars you know <laughs> he's he's reached that echelon then well there you go there you go him and Bristol Palin <laughs> so and Master P Master P was on uh that's right dancing with the stars that's right that's right but only Master P was only on dancing with the stars because um his son was supposed to do it and then backed out at the last minute. Uh, his son is uh, not Bow Wow. There were there was Lil Bow Wow and Lil. God damn it! Oh, I know who it is. I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. It's Bow Wow, and then there was the other one, Lil Romeo. Lil Romeo. Yes, yes. <laughs> was he? On, he had a TV show, didn't he? Or he was on a show? He was on something, but he was not on Dancing with the Stars because he didn't want to do it anymore because he didn't think it was cool enough. So Master P stepped in and was terrible. (laughs) Anyway, continue, continue, continue. (laughs) Well, okay. So what I was trying to say was I thought that, sorry, I thought that the current sort of hip hop and R&B trends would be conducive to that style. 
you know, and and would really blend with sort of Mariah's sensibilities if only she worked with the right people. So come to caution, and it seems like she's working with the right people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I heard the album when I first listened to the album when it came out in 2018. I was a little disappointed. There were maybe a couple tracks where I was like, okay, I like that. But for the most part, I was like, uh, pass on this album. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it really has a moment really yeah. to latch onto in in a way for me. I, I listen to it a little bit differently now because I realize that when I'm listening to the song Eighth Grade, which is mm-hmm. the one I'm ostensibly talking about today. Ostensibly. I realize that this is her version of that Kelani song. It will never sound like Kelani because no. Mariah, in true Mariah form, has nine Mariahs with her. It's like too too layered, too precise, too fussy. Yeah. I feel like when you're looking at, you know, newer, fresher R&B sounds, a little bit of it feels a little bit more, I don't want to say off the cuff or There's ragged. an urgency. Yeah, urgency or, or just an organic kind of feeling to it something that swells and rises and falls. And and I feel like Mariah's production consistently in the, in the attempt for like technical perfection or sonic perfection, it kind of smooths off any of the rough edges yeah. that could make it be really cool. I well, think that's what hashtag beautiful had. It had those rough edges. It had that sense of just two people singing at each other. Yeah, it was it was a little more th- like some of the lines were sort of thrown off, right? Like they were like there was a there was a yeah like a like a back and forth like to your point, right? Yeah, there was, and it didn't it was a seem conversation. so exacting. Yeah, in the way that I I think what you're getting at when you're talking about like what is it about Mariah Carey's productions that don't allow them to feel fresh? It's like there is something. It, it feels like she has really taken great care to make yeah. sure that these recordings are perfect. Yeah, they're like perfect. All every vocal, like all of this is there. And it's like, it doesn't need that. Yeah. It's like too airtight. And it just, so then that seals it off from sort of the, it, it's almost like it, t- it almost means that like, what was the point of collaboration? Mm-hmm. Because like that was my initial thought when I heard this, so I'm gonna say you know, but now redeem it, redeem it. <laughs> well, because I listened to it again and I was like, this song is really good. The song's called Eighth Grade. I do not know why. I've listened to the lyrics. I I don't get it. I don't know what it has to do with eighth grade. But it's about her. Is it about her sister giving her a Valium and selling her into prostitution? So. <laughs> <laughs> that was sixth grade, Barry. It was not eighth grade. Um. But <laughs> I'll read I'll read your book, Mariah. I'll read it, I swear. If I kind of take off the expectation of like, I want this to sound like something that came from someone who's literally 20 years younger than her. Yeah. This if I get rid of that expectation, because in all honesty, that's like that's stupid. It's <laughs> It's setting the bar to like that. That's not a realistic expectation. This is a woman who has like forged a path for so many singers um, and musicians and artists in her field in in the world, let alone her field. She doesn't need to compete with a twenty year old. You know, like she can work yeah. with some of the same people 
But she's who she is because she does what she does well, theoretically. No, I don't mean theoretically. God, why did I say that? But you know what I mean? Like, you know, when it works, when it works, there's a reason. Yeah, I mean, she she does great things. She has a hardcore fan base. In these later years, you know, commercially, she's not making the the dollars. Yeah. She's not selling <laughs> she's not selling the albums that she used to. Yeah. But there's probably a multitude of reasons behind that dwindling yeah. sales. Yeah. But it's not for lack of trying and it's not for lack of creativity. Not for and lack of talent. You know, she's exactly, still, exactly. She's still got her voice. I mean, we think we still, still has her voice, right? Do you think yeah. she still has a voice? I, when I saw her in Vegas, I thought she had her voice. I mean, it was, okay. I thought it was pretty good. And, you know, this is my favorite song on the, the favorite track on the album. Um, it was produced by Timbaland. And I feel like you can, you, Timbaland brings that Timbaland-ness to, you know, any track that he's on. Yeah. And there's a distinctive style. And I feel like, which is not to say that like these other, the other producers that I mentioned do not, but it's, you know, in the way that like Miguel sort of cut through and complimented Mariah on hashtag beautiful, I feel like Timbaland sort of does the same on the song eighth grade where it's mm-hmm. like the best of both of them. Right. Like okay. it's maybe not a 20 year old Kelani singing on this song, but it's a very good song in 2018, 2019, 2020. I think it's aged well. It's just a chill song. Like it's, a, it's a, it's a late, it's, it has a sort of laid backness um, and organic feel to it that I, you know, we were talking about everything else being so hermetically sealed or feeling like it was like, you know, the same track from t- 2005 recycled an infinite number of times. Yeah. I feel like this, this album feels and this track in particular feel very different and at least a step forward musically. Um mm-hmm. And I think she sounds great on it. I think most importantly, I think she sounds great on it. I think, um, you know, I talked about Nights Like This. The the album, you know, she Nights Like This with Kalani features Ty Dolla Sign. She, uh, Mariah works with Ty Dolla Sign elsewhere on this album on the song with, um, I think it's actually the one with that, De- that Dev Hines produced, The Distance. You know, it's, it's, I just... I just really like this song. And I I have better respect for the album. I have more respect for the album now. Just we've talked multiple times about sort of the, the way we approach artists. And like as fans, we expect mm-hmm. them to be a certain way or stay a certain way. Or, you know, we don't allow people to change or try something new. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I wasn't giving her enough credit in terms of what she was producing. Now, she may be all over the place and who knows where her heart was (laughs) with this. But I feel like it was a solid attempt. I feel like it was a solid attempt. But I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about to bring it completely full circle, when we talked about Loverboy, we talked about how that sort of reset the expectations for Mariah. No longer was she considered a sure thing. And, you know, that was 20 years, almost 20 years ago at this point. Right. Yeah. And but it's like the second half of her career. And that was in 2001. Emancipation came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. If you think about the 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 way her sound 
radically shifted between glitter and charm bracelet to the emancipation of Mimi. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different thing. They also seem like two different ages of Mariah. Like there's like charm bracelet grown... to emancipation or glitter to charm bracelet to emancipation. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, right. In, like they seem like two completely different people. In 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 listening to her discography, I almost felt like when she got her deal at Island Def Jam and recorded Charm Bracelet, there maybe was pressure to try and recapture like early 90s Mariah. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of sort like soaring ballads, just very safe, almost adult contemporary feeling music again, because basically to try and be like the anti-glitter at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They were trying to do a hard reset. Yeah. And, and then, then what ended more. happening with Charm Bracelet was I think that it made people question her voice even more. Oh, yeah. That's when people were like, she can't sing anymore. Yeah. You know, um, because of the whisper tone thing. The whisper yeah. tone takes over that whole album. She almost yeah. doesn't belt at all. It and sounds like her voice is cracking in multiple places. It's like, it's it. I, I get that it's a technique, but it, it just didn't. If, you know, you listen like with Rarity's and you listen to her live at the Tokyo Dome, mm-hmm. Tokyo Dome, and you're just like, these are not the same people. Yeah. I mean, and she's getting older. I think, right, like, there's got to be an expectation of a certain amount of change to your voice as you yeah. get older. Um, I mean, I was thinking about Mariah, you know, 30 years on as compared to like Whitney's last album. And I mean, oh. obviously Whitney had other uh, uh, things that impacted the quality of her voice over time. But, you know, in that Whitney documentary that I watched, they talked about how when she went into the studio to record um, that last album, what was it called? I just remember the song was Million Dollar Bill. Oh, yeah. Anyway, oh, when God. she but when That's she went terrible. to record that album, they were like, you know, she was in recovery she was really happy. She was really eager to get back to singing. And and everyone was very, very happy with the shape that her voice was in. Even though, like, you listen to that album, her voice was so different at yeah. that point. Yeah. And, and I wonder, be, I wonder yeah. that with Mariah. I mean, I think Mariah's done a good job of, you know, the essence of her voice still sounding essentially the same. I think yeah. when you look at, like, more recent live performances that she does it can be very hit or miss. And I wonder, I wonder how much of that for her is either like just not, not keeping up with her singing that like in the early nineties when she was really hustling, that she was probably singing all the time, practicing her songs all the time. Well, well, but they say that like she sang so much that that's like why her voice is the way it is. Nodules? Is it nodules? What's happening? Like, well, she basically, she she doesn't have, like most vocal teachers or coaches will tell you, like she doesn't have great technique. Mm -hmm. And so like the way she sang, as often as she sang, uh, you know, for as long as she sang, yeah, it was inevitable that it, her voice was just going to come apart. I do think that I do agree with you, though. She has adapted it, you know, where she can. And I think you know when I saw her like live, like she sounded great. Yeah, like because when you saw her live, did she have to like cheat some of her vocals? It was unclear. Okay, no, I mean like not not cheat like lip sync, but like I was watching some more 
recent, like within the last few years, oh. live performances that she did for like TV. And notice like she'll change the melodies on a yeah. lot of her songs now. Yeah. So that instead of going up, it kind of, she'll sing like the down, the down harmony and like the middle harmony almost. Uh, sometimes, or it might be, yeah, sometimes, but not, not all the time. Okay. There were some, yeah, there were some, you know, just, you know, being a fan and you, you remember those notes when you struggled to try to sing along to them in the car. You yeah. Know, you're like 14 or whatever. No, it's, it's crazy to like, you know, I was listening when I was listening to the live portion of Rarities, um, earlier this afternoon, we just had it playing in the house and all of those like, heyday Mariah for me kind of songs like a like fantasy i somehow know all the little inflections uh-huh. and vocal riffs that she does in the middle you yeah. know yeah. Like, it's like that's how solidly those melodies are ingrained in my brain from when i was what like 14 or 15 yeah yeah no i'm totally the same totally the same <laughs> so when i and hear her <laughs> cheat it i'm like wait that's not how this song goes <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh, Chris and I used to laugh because like we'd be in the car and I'd be singing all the ad libs too, and he'd just be singing like the chorus or whatever. He's like, "How do you know all of those?" And I was like, "Bitch, I don't sing backup for nobody." Yeah, no, he's Not like even Mar- he's car. like Mariah number two or three. Mm. I don't. Yeah. Sa- I can't. I can't <laughs> sing the Mariah Mariah one part, but I know it all. So like, I'll I'll do my best to like riff along with her when it's playing. Fully yeah. knowing I'm not doing it, but I know exactly what's going to happen when it happens. I'm like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, and I think that's, what's funny. So like, and that's what makes it hard, right? Because we have that muscle memory and like, she has a singular voice, you know, and, and then, then glitter happens, then charm bracelet, and then you have emancipation and then you have the, you know, the emancipation. She kind of had to come back, um, kind of reasserted herself and then another long, slow decline over 10 years <laughs> of just, right? Because like yeah. so when you put it in that context, you're like, every album, like there were there were many years in between each album. Not many years, I guess like two years in between each album. But like, yeah. you know. I mean, for pop, it, that's like a long time. But, you know, yeah, whether or not she is pop at that point, like I don't know what the urgency is behind like younger pop artists and needing to release like an album every year. Like... I don't yeah. know if that business is, business decision is made because record companies believe that those pop stars have an expiration date, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. at this point, like, Mariah is, like, she's just chilling. Apparently, yeah. she can sell 50,000 copies of her album, and she's still happy. Her landlady's yeah. got her back. And she'll just yeah. keep, she'll be like, hey, I'm going to keep making music. I have a feeling, I mean, I wonder if this rarities thing is going to go number one for her on Billboard. I think it's number one on iTunes right now. Yeah. So um, I'm well, and that was the thing. I was like, oh, because because I was gonna say, you know, I was like, oh, I'm surprised at like how much promo she's doing. No, I I should not be. Like, what am I, an idiot? What are we talking <laughs> about? What do we do here? This is not. What, no, come on. You're telling me the woman, the one person who's had a top ten hit in every year of a decade from 1990 to 2000 has more. Um, you know, number one singles or more top 10 singles than almost any other person or or is at least second, right? Is somehow not going to try and have her Rarities album, which comes out in the 30th year of her career, also not go to number one? Like who, who? Yeah. Like was I born yesterday? Yeah, no, I mean, she's looking at potentially like this huge, you know, uh, boon, boom, 
Boone? Like another milestone. And yeah, Boone. <laughs> a Boone. Yeah, maybe. Well, because like, you know, potentially she could have like a, a New York Times bestseller this week. Yeah. She yeah. could have a number one album this week. Yeah. And it's going to be like such a good look for her, you know? Yeah. Especially yeah. because how many people actually even know that she was releasing albums continuously in the whole last decade? Well, and I think that's the thing, right? So like, just to kind of wrap it back, wrap it up, bring the plane in for a landing. Uh, um, we've seen diminishing returns for like a decade and like the expectations are very low in some ways. Right. And, I think in many ways when Mariah releases a new album, that's where sometimes for me, it's hard to work up the excitement that I would have had before because I'm like, eh, you know, like maybe it'll, I'll buy it. Yeah. I always buy it and I always listen to it. And then I'm sometimes like, I'll come back to it like two years later. I'm like, oh, okay, this is fine. Like I like yeah. this, like, you know, and, and, and so, you know, I guess, I guess just in terms of, you know, expectations and putting these like expectations on someone it's like i don't know no one expects barbara streisand to come out with like a hard-hitting pop album at this yeah. point right like you don't think barbara do streisand has number. her finger on the pulse right no even <laughs> celine dion and celine dion who's still putting out all this music like and some of it's okay right like i'll listen to it her voice by the way sounds amazing still okay um you know but it's like she's doing other things right she, I mean, she's still releasing music, but she's she's doing other things. She, she's she's entering a new era. I think, you know, you and I had talked about Mariah potentially entering a new era, you know, with with caution. I, I wonder if caution will be one of the last. I don't want to say an attempt at relevance, but like trying to like trying to be like a top 40 artist. Yeah, because now she's released her rarities to cap her 30th year. And I wonder if now we're going to see her more as a legacy act Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. I I don't know what else to call her. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause I I think that most artists, if they make it this far, they transition into that. Like, yeah, you know, Diana Ross or Mm -hmm. Patti LaBelle, you know, you hit a certain point where, yeah, you're not aiming for top 40 you, but you have this cachet, you have this credibility Mm -hmm. and you have enough fans to sustain you. You yeah. know, you don't need to be yeah. reaching all of the new 18 to 24 year old ears that are looking for the next new thing. You know, you don't need to chase yeah. that anymore at a certain point or you hope. And I mean, you know what? Mariah's raked in millions. She doesn't, she doesn't need to chase that if she doesn't want to chase it. If yeah. she feels like she just wants to, you know, whistle tone her whistle tone her way down, you know, I'd be really curious. I mean, on 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 rarities, there's a she did the live version of Lullaby of Birdland. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? So yeah. I forget. I don't know if that was. I don't know where she did that. Um, the beginning of that song, I thought she does pretty well. Like we're talking, you know, like I I thought she was fairly restrained and emotive, and you know, by the time she gets to the scatting portion, I was like, I don't know about this, but you know, she. It, it sounds strange. She's not Ella Fitzgerald, but, but you know, I was like, oh, this could be interesting if she does. Maybe this will give her freedom to just try random shit, because yeah, you know, and not try to album. try to be that. Yeah, do something more experimental. I don't know. I don't nothing, nothing that she's done in the last ten years feels experimental. It just feels like trying to capture like a, 
something that isn't there. Anymore. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, I don't know that I think that Mariah has the imagination <laughs> to do something truly, truly experimental. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. We're circling these ideas that she'll, she'll hit a point where she's doing the same thing over and over again. Or even when she's trying to do something fresh, she'll put her kind of thumbprint into it. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and, and to think of glitter as a early eighties, you know, album, yeah. which doesn't, oh, doesn't necessarily read to me. Yeah. It, you know, I, I think, like, does she, does she have no, like a, you're, because okay so what about this album that we had talked about we've talked about caution right yeah i I was reading reviews for this album and and someone was like oh it's a it's a concept album about relationships and i was like yes that that's not what that's not what would make it a concept album yeah she sings a lot of songs about relationships (laughs) and and in 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 a weird way almost immediately that quote-unquote concept is ruined because the first song is get the fuck out immediately followed by the song with you and i'm like well, what yeah what what's what what conceptual statement is she making about relationships by budding these two completely different songs next to each other well i think i think it's interesting because it's like you know tony braxton and babyface a few years ago had had a had a, a relationship album yeah yeah, yeah. right and songs sorry, from was a like, divorce or something <laughs> was it love and love sex and wait hold on what was it it was hold on because i'm gonna get this I'm, i am gonna get this correct i just can see the album cover in my head yeah 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 where they're like leaning on each other or love leaning. marriage and divorce love marriage and divorce i was like love sex and divorce um memoirs of an imperfect divorce and that and that that follows sort of like a relationships ups and downs it's a concept album she has some duets with um, Babyface, they go back and forth. And I didn't realize there was like a history of this kind of album in R&B. Like these sort of, it's like a chronicling of relationships. And so it has like a history and, mm. and, and there's like a But it like also that. a sequence. <laughs> yeah, and a sequence, exactly. And And like to your point, it's like, well, I read the same review and I was like, wait, like again, in terms of setting the bar real low, you're like, "What? <laughs> this is not a concept album." Janelle Monae's "Arc Android" or "Metropolis Suite." Oh, yeah, those yeah, yeah, yeah. are concept albums. Um, I think that's the thing too that <laughs> always makes these later Mariah Carey releases fall a little bit flat for me. Is that there are still so many critics that like just love her unequivocally. Yeah. So reading the reviews, it hypes it up to be something that I don't think it is. Well, it's like, you know, when those people reviewed Aretha's, uh, what was uh, that album of her Diva covers? covers? Album? Oh, did people like that album? Oh my God. It was like, oh, Aretha sounds amazing. And I was like, are you listening to the same thing? Like, How much money when did she Clive did Davis Rolling in the Deep? I was like, she sounds like she's on oxygen. Like, I don't, this is not good. She sounds like they got the, like, you know, plagiarized Korean karaoke <laughs> versions of all these songs and just well, set that her was, up in a little karaoke but, room. <laughs> that was the thing about the Clive Davis that I was reading. Cause like he pumps these albums out. He essentially did the Rod Stewart to Aretha Franklin. Oh, Remember yeah. Rod Stewart had like a series of like two or three like standards albums. Yeah. And those uh, were like, I mean, those yeah. were like 
I mean, I don't think they were. I they mean, were, they weren't for me. They, I didn't. They like weren't. Them, no, but you know why? the The main through line is they were cheap to produce. He didn't spend hardly any money on the production, and they sold like hotcakes or whatever sells like that now in 2020. And so they did the same thing with Aretha. Like to your point, put her in for you know the cheapest it, production, cheapest production, literal karaoke tracks. It sounds <laughs> like maybe she just did the first did the first take. Said, you know what, guys, it's done. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> print it cut it whatever they do to music right? you know like that's, like that what? was terrible mariah mariah if you're listening please never never let la reed convince you to make a cover album of standards well you know she won't because well i mean oh god well, mariah, well, she, mariah, mariah would put a ton of work into it she would do more than one she day. would because she would executive produce the thing and it yeah. was would okay, still okay. sound like a regular album maybe, maybe mariah can convince me with her standards uh not even standards. When this Aretha one, she did like that Adele song. Like, yeah, I think Mariah does. Uh, Mariah does. Um, <laughs> Mariah does excellent covers sometimes. Like that, that she, is true, right? Like maybe she like, could do a full album of covers. She also always. She's also really good at choosing unexpected covers. I feel like yes, it's, yes. It, in the way that you know. I think we talked about Aretha and other divas. They try to outdo other divas by re redivaing diva songs, <laughs> right? Like Mariah's never yeah. tried to pull from that point of reference when she's yeah. I mean, well, it's interesting. She pulled from let's see, she pulled from Journey. She's pulled from Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, she pulled from Phil Collins. Phil Collins, that was a great fam- one. Who, yeah, that was good. Um, George Michael. Def Leppard, uh, bringing on the heartbreak with Def Leppard. Yeah, yeah. So she's got like she. That's why it's like she pulls these. She pulls in these samples. She pulls in these artists to cover, and like she has a interesting perspective. See, give me the rarities. Rarities colon the covers, <laughs> the elusive and do covers, all the, <laughs> the ones that didn't make it. And it's gonna be her covering like Jasmine Sullivan, break your windows. <laughs> Memoirs of an imperfect, imperfect. Cover. Oh no, no, no! That doesn't follow the concept. It'll be her covering like Charlie Puth. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 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 So that is my plug for eighth grade on Mariah's fifteenth album, Caution. Um, Fantastic. Take Loved it. take caution. In, take caution. In, Take caution when you listen to the album. You your your mileage may vary, but it's good. It's a good album. I have to say, it's it, there's nothing that stands out about it, but it's all good. If that's I think a, the product, you know, the producers really help. Yeah, there is no single on this album though. No. They they could not find a single to hit the radio on this because there is no single. It's just a, it's a small set of good songs. Yeah, fun to listen to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Oh, let's go to break. Yeah, let's go to break. So we're back. Um, We're going to wrap up the show in a little bit. I was doing a little bit of digging into this Caution album. And Caution came out in 2018. Mm Mm-hmm. The original title for this album was supposed to be Portrait. Yes. Portrait was, it ended up just getting pushed down to the very bottom of the track list, which is mm-hmm. never a good sign for 
well, what was formerly yeah. going to be a title track. But it gets called Caution. Um, you know, the initial, not like the lead single, but like the promotional single or like the buzz single was Get the Fuck Out, that GTFO song. Mm-hmm. And what I had forgotten about this point in Mariah Carey's life was that in 2016, she was on she was on this like ill-fated reality show. She was engaged to be married to a billionaire. Um, I don't like the the reality show was originally supposed to document like her engagement and eventual marriage, but spoiler alert, she didn't get married to the guy. And it was very for me, honestly, it was very hard to watch that show. And yeah, it was supposed to be like kind of um cringe fest slash maybe if you like someone doing embarrassing things in their life you and you want to it was like the comeback but real (laughs) and it was but like but like without lisa kudrow that just kind of falls apart (laughs) um but you know she had been because uh, cindy berger right who she had been with when glitter happened who famously told reporters that no mariah carey did not try to commit suicide she was just smashing plates don't worry um she parts ways with Cindy Berger in like what, like 2015, 2014. Yeah. yeah. That was weird because Cindy Berger kind of preemptively was like, I fired Mariah. Right. Like they were, well, Mar- yeah. think, there was I like think, a whole shakeup on her team at one point too, where like everyone yeah. left her. Well, I think that there was like, there was this initial impression that they wanted to do the correct Hollywood thing and be like, we're parting ways amicably. We've appreciated our time together. All the best. Right. But then it became this like pissing match of like Cindy Berger being like, no, I fired Mariah. Mariah being like, no, I fired Cindy. Right. And then it became very acrimonious. And then she pairs up with this new publicist and assistant. Right. I forget their names. Well, she, she was Russian, wasn't she? Ugh, let me. I just Googled this. But I just because she's the one who was responsible for the show. She was responsible for the show. They amicably, quote unquote, amicably part ways in 2017. But then this whole thing happens where like her then ex-assistant sued her ex-publicist and Mariah for like sexual assault. And then in a little bit of a retaliatory move, then the publicist also sues Mariah and all this it's very messy ugly shit comes out it's it's about like i think that like the assistant the assistant claimed that the publicist sexually assaulted her by peeing on her to which the publicist said that the assistant flashed her breasts at minors <laughs> i mean and that it was all Mariah's fault because Mariah didn't control her employees. And meanwhile, Mar- Mariah's already fired them both because, and her, the official reason at that point is that they just weren't doing their, performing their job duties. Right. And ostensibly yeah. like this whole reality show that her publicist at that point had gotten her involved in was not, not a great look. No, it wasn't. And it just made her look mean. I think that like up to that point, there was this idea that Mariah was sort of like wink, wink, like in on the joke about being Mariah Carey and just Mm -hmm. this diva. And then you watch it and you're just like, wait, she's a terrible person. It was (laughs) like literally like the comeback where you're just like, 
wow. Like, this is a woman who doesn't realize how terrible she is. And, like, <laughs> it wasn't funny anymore. And honestly, it's, I had a hard time, like, after that point. I was like, oh, wait, I thought this was all a joke. And it's not. Yeah. And, you know, like, when she, when she would, like, keep the producer waiting. She was supposed to work on a song. And she was just, like, not going down to work with him or not going down to work on her choreography for anything. You know what I mean? Just like, it was just a bad look, I think to your point. And yeah, I forgot that this all happened. I mean, she spent the whole early 2000s not sleeping. So if she needs to take a break, she could, she could take a break, but like she can, but it's unprofessional. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, cause I, you know, we had talked briefly about Mariah disclosing her bipolar two disorder diagnosis Mm. And I never made the connection between everything that was happening kind of in this period of time because she doesn't come forward with that until like 2016, 2017, right? And with all of this stuff happening with her then ex-publicist and ex-assistant at that point, you know, her ex-publicist was then making claims that that Mariah had a substance abuse problem. Hmm. That there was all this stuff happening that Mariah was being so erratic because of her substance abuse. And then it was at that point that I think that Mariah had to come forward to say like, no, like my erratic behavior is because I was diagnosed with bipolar two disorder that now Mm -hmm. I'm like actively trying to manage, you know, it's funny because, um, we just started watching veep. Mm. Um, never saw it before, but now that we have HBO max because I had to watch. Oh really? Uh, because we'll, like, we had to get HBO Max to, so I could watch Glitter for this stupid podcast. <laughs> so now that we have HBO Max, I'm like, well, now we just need to watch everything on here to make this worth my money. But we just started watching Veep. And, um, so good. you know, they do, because they have to do that in Veep, in this lampooning of politics, that they have to uh-huh. be ready to respond to something with another story. And then there's yeah. another story that comes out and they have to be able to respond to it this way. And it's all an attempt to kind of squash a conflicting narrative against you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and seeing this happen to Mariah with like all these wild accusations, it's like, Oh, you know, she pulled the Trump card by, you know, being very truthful about what she was actually going through. Like yeah. all these things that she had been kind of trying to conceal for the sake of her persona for all these years. Like mm-hmm. it suddenly came to a head where you hit that point where you're like, you know what? Like, so-and-so is claiming that I let so-and-so pee on so-and-so mm-hmm. and that it's my fault that these, this woman peed on this other woman. Right. Like, <laughs> this is just stupid now. Like, let's yeah, just, yeah. let's just yeah, clear yeah. the air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, no. And so going back into, you know, caution this album, I think she was coming out of that. Mm. And I think that that's, part of the reason why it leads off with get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, there was probably a lot going on and I think, you know, sort of working with all new people, mm-hmm. it's kind of indicative of just like, I'm just going to start fresh. I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to work. Right, Cause was caution her things. first album with Epic. Yes. Okay. I believe but so. L.A. Reed at that point, like she moved. He, with he LA brought. Reed. Yeah, she moved with L.A. Reed from Inner. Uh, was it uh, Island Def Jam? Yeah. To Epic. That was well. That was the rekindling of their like. Okay. Because yeah. famously, like, L.A. Reed. Because L.A. Reed was the one reason she went to Island Def Jam, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. He's like a. He's like a Svengali of sorts, right? 
I mean, he's been around for forever. Yeah. Ellie told me you'll be a pop star. All you have to do is change everything you are. Right? Is that pink? That's pink. He tried to change her. I, yeah, I always thought that was just like Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, LA Reed was LA Reed the reason that pink was originally like R&B racially ambiguous R&B artist. I always thought she, I mean, not I always, but like at the beginning, I thought she was. I thought she was being styled to look racially ambiguous. Well, her songs were very like sort of in the R&B style yeah. at the time. And, and then, yeah, uh, that that's weird. I don't, I don't know what to think of that, but yeah. Svengali, Svengali Light, L.A. Reid. Another one. Yeah. That's my thoughts. No, um, that's yeah, all interesting. Yeah. <laughs> We made it. We've been recording for a long time and I want to post this episode this week. So, um, I don't know if we talked about anything, but, uh, we talked about caution. <laughs> we did. We talked about caution. We talked about the song eighth grade. Um, we're just making up for how short the last episode was. Oh yeah. We needed to make up some time. You know, people need long content. form content to just lull themselves into a sense of security in these times of, uh, fast-paced news media. Anyway, it's true. <laughs> it's true. yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, uh, special thanks. Is it special? Time for special. Oh thanks? yeah, yeah, yeah I'll is. do the special thanks this week. Uh, special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopredeemer.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And check us out on social media at Flop Redeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at Facebook.com slash Flop Redeemer. Also, you can email us once again at Flop Redeemer at gmail.com. None of you have and you should. Nope. I, I just get notifications from different social media. Like I, Twitter is like, have you seen these tweets? I'm like, what? Nothing? Okay. <laughs> Our president has coronavirus. Okay, cool. I don't know. I'm going to go hide again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe we won't right. talk about Mariah next week. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.